What up, world? Welcome back to Lockdown Blazers. I'm your Blazers beat writer and pass first point guard Mike Richmond coming to you live from the lower bowl of the Moda Center after the Blazers beat the Indiana Pacers on Monday night, 106-98. In the first game without CJ McCollum, who is set to miss at least a week and likely much more with a left knee strain. Uh, I think we got some questions answered tonight. Uh, about sort of what the Blazers are going to look like going forward. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about tonight's game, sort of the the trends we saw in the post-CJ world. I want to talk a little bit about the Indiana Pacers as perhaps a spirit to guide for what is ahead for the Blazers. And then I want to look around the NBA because it's that time of year that we need to know what's happening across the Western Conference playoff race. But let's start here at the Moda Center. Damian Lillard was really, really good. 30 points, 15 assists, 9 of 16 from the floor, made 8 of 9 free throws. The Blazers started off a little slow in this one, down 11 in the first quarter, missed their first 9 threes, 10, I think they missed, excuse me, their first 10 three-pointers. Then they started making shots, and the game looked a lot easier. Uh, You know, they really outclassed, I thought, the Pacers, they really outplayed them. Outclassed is kind of the wrong word. I apologize for that. The Pacers were plenty classy. Blazers really outplayed them, though. The visiting Pacers in the second and third quarters. This game looked like it was over. The Blazers were up 21 in the fourth quarter. And then the Pacers hung around. Wes Matthews, former Blazer great, had a shot that would have cut the lead to five with about two minutes left that he missed. A wide, wide open, like, practice shot three. Clanged off the back rim. But this game wasn't about the Pacers. We'll talk about them more later. This game was about sort of what this flavor of the Blazers is going to look like. The first big question is, who's going to start? And it turns out, in Terry Stotts, true Terry Stotts fashion, there's multiple answers to this one. Jake Lehman started the first half. Started the game, I should say. That's the way we talk about that. Uh... He started the first half playing a little bit of small, a uh, little bit of shooting guard, which uh, maybe was out of position. It's not like he doesn't know the plays. I think that that's not what I'm trying to suggest. But I don't think he can take advantage of twos and a guy like Wesley Matthews the way he can take advantage of threes and fours with his speed and his size. Uh, he just he couldn't get it going. Jake Lehman is over five tonight from the field, over three from three. And since the All Star break, man, Jake has really struggled. This is some surprising numbers that I wouldn't have known. He's four of thirty from three since the All Star break, including tonight. That's uh, that's not great for those of you counting at home. Uh, he's one of the best finishers in the league. Absolutely, like without a doubt, one of the best finishers in the league. Uh, he's 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 which something I didn't really see coming for him, but he can really make layups. But he just can't shoot right now. He's just he's, he's really struggled with the shot since the All-Star break. That's a big deal. And it was a big enough deal such that he did not start the second half. Instead, we saw Rodney Hood start the second half at small forward. And the Blazers were much better with Hood in there. He had a good game. Honestly, Hood looked good. I thought he was going to be the guy who started. And I think there's a chance that he might end up starting. Rob Hood was 5 for 10, 11 points. Two assists, two steals. He kind of didn't do anything else, but but he looked good. He was just a little bit better better player in that in that spot as a three with um, 
little stronger defender and just just a little more solid than than Lehman was tonight, without it without a doubt. And then to close the game, the guy who was playing small four or playing in the CJ spot with Seth Curry, taking over um, Hood's minutes and playing along the rest of the starters, Mo Harkless and Al Farouk Aminu, who both had really nice nights and Yusuf Nurkic down the stretch, and yet. The Blazers somehow almost lost this game, up 21 in the fourth quarter. And then, like I said, all the way down to, I believe he got as close as five late. Uh, never really five with a real threatening chance, but about seven twice with the ball. Indiana with a chance to take the, to, to cut into it, to make things really dicey, and it didn't get there. Uh, Dame committed three turnovers. Evan Turner came in the game and just insisted on giving the ball away. Yusuf Nurkic committed an insane foul with a bad offense, just a bad screen right um, right at midcourt that didn't make sense. But it doesn't matter. I don't think it – the Blazers are – they're sitting pretty they're, – they're looking like a team that could finish in fourth if they can keep playing like this. They don't play any more Western Conference playoff teams other than Denver, whom they play twice. The top eight is done. They still have some games against some bad Eastern Conference teams. They still play some out-of-the-race – Western Conference teams like their schedule is is I mean it's a little bit hard because no CJ McCollum and they still have to go on the road for a little four gamer but and it's not as easy as the Jazz as I uh, detailed last time but this they don't have a brutal schedule and they looked good enough to win in this game and I thought um, I I really thought the big takeaway was sort of how much Damian Lillard did and I think that is going to be the problem going forward he played 40 minutes tonight and afterwards, I asked Dots if he was concerned about overusing Dame. He said he absolutely was. And I said, how are you going to deal with that? And basically his response was, I hope to be able to deal with it, but we can't afford nights like this are an indication of what we can't afford to do. We cannot, they couldn't rest Dame. You know, you, you blow a, a 21 point lead down to single digits. It was mostly hovering around nine and 11, but they just couldn't take Dame out. You know, you want, you can't rest him for three minutes in the middle of the fourth quarter in a game that you really need to win and that without him, you would blow. So I think that's a thing to monitor moving forward is how much Dame plays. Um, he talks a little bit about, after the game, about his responsibility and what what that would look like and, and then how much more responsibility he would have to take on with C.J. McCollum. And he wasn't one of those... Um, he was not a guy saying, oh, it's all the same. Everyone, you know, everyone picks it up. D- Dame's, Dame understands the deal. He says, I... I have to do a little bit more. I can't force it and go crazy, but I have to do a little bit more. I owe it to my teammates to do a little bit more when we're missing a guy who scores 22 points. And tonight he did a little bit of absolutely everything. 30 and 15, like I said, 15 assists, three steals. He'd have six turnovers, but, you know, the Blazers were outscored by nine points when he was out of the game and a game they won by eight. I mean, that's it's. Uh, they needed him on the court all forty of those minutes. Uh, Terry Stotts will try to find ways to rest him, and I think it's going to be imperative that when they do play legitimately bad teams, to try to you know take care of the game early and get Dame find some minutes for Dame to rest. But I also don't think Terry Stotts is going to shy away from playing him about forty minutes if that's what it takes. When we get back in the second segment, I want to talk a little bit about 
how the Indiana Pacers, who have lost Victor Oladipo since January 24th, can be a guide for what the Blazers need to do the final month of the regular season. But before we get there, I want to remind you guys that when you hop in your car, tell your smart device, play podcast Locked on Blazers. This is the best podcast for your morning commute. It's the best podcast for your afternoon commute. If you missed it in the morning, get your Blazers fix in. Know more than your coworkers. Make your ride better. And make it part of your daily routine. When you get in your car, tell your smart device, play podcasts, Locked on Blazers. The most important thing that came out of tonight's game was Damian Lillard being his honest and candid self. Uh, when asked how he sort of mentally prepares for C.J. McCollum being out his running mate, Damian Lillard said he, in his mind, C.J. McCollum isn't going to return in the regular season. Or if he does, he's going to return for the final two games of the regular season. That is both a telling quote for Dame's mentality. Uh, He understands that the group that he has right now healthy in the locker room is a group that's going to have to close out a tough stretch in a competitive Western Conference race. But it also tells you kind of what they think about C.J. McCollum's injury. You know, the, the word is, and C.J. spoke to reporters, and he didn't give much insight into how long this could be, but the word is that he'll be reevaluated in a week. But I said on the pod yesterday that I think it's you're looking more at multiple weeks, three weeks to a month. And the way Damian Lillard was talking, that's the way he views it too. He doesn't think C.J. McCollum is going to come back until the very end of the regular season, or maybe just he'll, he'll come back when the playoffs start. Now, he voiced the thing that I think all of Rip City felt, is that he was somewhat relieved that this wasn't a more serious injury. That when he saw, and Terry Stott said the same thing, when he saw C.J. McCollum crumpled on the court in San Antonio, he thought to himself, you know, your mind just naturally goes there. You say, this is... This is bad. You know, you see someone grabbing their knee in obvious pain and, you, and your mind goes to the places that you that it just naturally goes. That this is a type of season ending long term knee injury that you never want to happen to anyone and you're watching it happen to one of your guys. So there was some relief, obviously, when Damian Lillard found out that it was only going to be, you know, a, a month or that or that there's a chance CJ can return and be himself. And he talked about how he knows that CJ is going to go crazy when he goes after his rehab. And he's going to tell him to, you know, take it easy so you can come back and be CJ. So you're not come back and be kind of CJ. But I think if the Blazers are looking for a guide and how to maintain your position and how to tread water while missing a, a key player, they should look in the visiting locker room tonight. The Indiana Pacers lost Victor Oladipo on January 24th to a, to a knee injury of his own. They lost four games right after he, he went down, and they kind of figured it out. They they got right. They went, they're went. they now 12-5 and five since dropping those four games. They've, they've fallen all the way from third place to fourth place in the East. They've basically maintained their position. They've maintained home court advantage in the playoff race. And they've done it with, uh, you know, the cliched next man up mentality, which is obviously the right answer when you ask, you know, uh, Nate McMillan or the Pacers players, how do you do it? That's obviously the right answer and the correct answer. But it's also, um, it belies the sort of emotional component that goes into losing a star player for a long-term injury. And I thought, um, I thought Nate McMillan had a, had a, a strong point. He says that, 
you know, you you see it and you think, oh, this is probably bad. And then when you get the news, it's a real shot and it takes you a little while to recover. And obviously the Blazers didn't lose their first game post-CJ and they didn't lose their best player the way the Pacers did. They still have Damian Lillard, an all-star, but they lost a really important piece. And I think there is an emotional element to losing a guy like him and having to try to make up for what he brings. Uh, both just statistically and and sort of the way he controls the ball and all those things. Um, so there is so the first step is is just getting over it emotionally, and I think the way you do that is you just play the games. Uh, this was a really good first step for the Blazers. Uh, they didn't need those four game. They didn't need to lose four games to figure it out the way the Pacers did. But what the Pacers have done is kind of. You know, they've had to reinvent things. They've had to change up their starting lineup. They've, exper- they've experimented with putting Tyreek there. They've started to play uh, Demontis Sabonis more together with uh, Miles Turner. Uh, just the little things that go into replacing a player. And it doesn't always happen position for position. Playing two bigs together can sometimes create a little bit of a different look for a, uh, a team and make up for losing a shooting guard. And I think we could see that with the Blazers a little bit. Tonight we saw uh, Zach Collins get 15 first half minutes. He played a a big chunk of that uh, the whole second quarter after checking in because he played well. And I think this is sort of, that is the idea, not the sort of next man up, who's going to be the the new shooting guard for the Blazers down the stretch. I think that cliche is tired, albeit correct. But it is figuring it out. It's making a new puzzle fit together. And tonight we kind of saw as I talked about in the first segment, what that puzzle looks like. It was a little bit of lame. It was 14 minutes of Jake Lehman. It was a lot more Rodney Hood. It was Seth Curry down the stretch. It was a big chunk of Zach Collins and Ennis Cantor playing together in the first half. And it was finding combinations that you can win with that maybe you wouldn't have had to experiment with if you had just had CJ McCollum healthy in the lineup. Um... The Pacers aren't this magic success story, and I don't mean to point to them as here's what the Blazers need to do, but I do mean I do want to point to them for this is sort of there is a way to be about the same level despite missing a lot of production. If you have a decent system and a cast of characters that fit together, which I think the Blazers do, they're as deep as they've been in the post Lamarcus era. Figuring out what that combination looks like night to night might be a little bit different. Terry Stotts admitted after the game tonight that he doesn't even know who's going to start against the Dallas Mavericks on Wednesday. So we'll see what happens. The Pacers as a blueprint is a great place to start. And whatever happens next for the Blazers as they run down the rest of their schedule will be sort of a meaningful way to see if they followed that guide. We get back in the next segment. I want to take a quick whip around the NBA, see what happened in the league, and talk about where the Blazers stand with 14 games left in the regular season. But before we get there, I want to tell you guys about DraftKings. Did you know you can fill out a tourney bracket at DraftKings this year? That's right. DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, has a totally free bracket with tens of thousands of dollars up for grabs. Everyone fills out a bracket during the tourney, Might as well do it on an award-winning app with tons of free prizes. For the first time ever, DraftKings is offering a bracket battle promotion with $64,000 in prizes. So if you want to pick Duke, 
or Carolina. Or even someone crazy like, I don't know, Tennessee or Belmont to make the Final Four. You can place your bets at DraftKings. You know how the draft brackets work. Before tip-off for the first game of the tournament, just pick the winner of every game, every round. That's all there is to it. And the best part is you can play for free with code LOCKEDONNCAA. That's code LOCKEDONNCAA. You can even set up a private group for you and your friends and compete for bragging rights. So download the DraftKings app or head to DraftKings.com now. Use code LOCKEDONNCAA to enter the bracket battle promotion for free. Compete for your share of $64,000. That's code LOCKEDONNCAA to enter the bracket battle for free. Only at DraftKings. The game inside the game. Eligibility and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, welcome back. Still locked on Blazers, still Mike Richmond. Uh, the Blazers weren't the only Western Conference team in action tonight. And they certainly weren't the only ones in the playoff race to get a win. Let's start in Boston. That was a terrible Boston accent, guys. I apologize. But let's start there anyways. The Denver Nuggets beat the Celtics 114-105 to clinch a playoff spot and break their playoff drought since the old Andre Iguodala days in Mile High City. It's a good win for the Nuggets. Winning in Boston is tough. The Celtics um, are good despite being the fifth best team in the East. Or at least that's what we all continue to think. But no, that's a good win. Not only because it comes on the road against a pretty good team, but also because with that win, the Nuggets are now tied with the Golden State Warriors for the first seed, the top seed in the Western Conference. Who would have guessed that we'd be saying that in the middle of March? Not I, the person who predicted the Nuggets to finish fourth in the West last year, and then they didn't even make the playoffs. I guess I ran out of Denver optimism. Speaking of those Warriors, losers tonight in San Antonio. The Spurs have won nine straight and just keep on winning. The Spurs, with that win, leapfrogged the Thunder and are now in fifth place. Listen, the Spurs, nine in a row with back-to-back really quality wins. I, guys, I don't even know what to do with San Antonio. I don't know what to make of them. I think they're the weakest non-Clippers team and maybe even just straight up the weakest team in the playoffs, and yet they keep winning and beating teams. I think that they're better than. Maybe I'll figure it out one day. But speaking of the Thunder, who the Spurs leapfrogged, at least for now, they lost tonight. At home, against the Miami Heat, without Russell Westbrook. Westbrook, of course, serving a suspension for getting his 16th technical foul. The Thunder have now lost three straight. They are a game and a half. Them and the Spurs tied with the same record. Both a game and a half back of the fourth-place Blazers, who are a full game behind the idle Houston Rockets. Also idle tonight, the LA Clippers in eighth place. But that means another Western Conference team was in action tonight, y'all. And it was the Utah Jazz doing what they do, which at least what they're going to do for the last month of the season, which is beat bad teams. And that's what the Jazz did. They thrashed 
The not very good Wizards in Washington have now won four straight, seven of ten. They're just a half game out of fifth. Two full games behind the Blazers for fourth place, but the Jazz are coming, y'all. That 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 thing you see in the rearview mirror is the Jazz rolling over cakey opponents and chasing down home court advantage in the playoffs. Those are the big ones tonight. Um, the Blazers just got to keep winning. I mean, this the this the sort of I think we're making maybe. A lot of, of, of these standings down the stretch, but but and, and who plays who and all that stuff, um, maybe a little early because I think it, it makes more sense in the last week when you can say, okay, there's seven games and they're up two. If they win here, they're in. But this matters. That's why beating the Pacers matters. It's that simple. Uh, the Pacers continue their West Coast trip. They're going to play the Clippers tomorrow night. And if you're looking ahead, Things that are going to matter in the Western Conference. Also in action tomorrow night, Golden State Warriors at Minnesota. Second out of back-to-back. And Houston in Atlanta. But to me, the the sort of, and I've been saying this a bunch, the Blazers just got to win all the games they should win. And Wednesday's game against the, the Dallas Mavericks, regardless of all the whipping around the league and looking at the scoreboard that I'm doing, they just got to win the games in front of them. The Mavs have given the Blazers some trouble this year. Uh, you know, they they sent a game into OT here in, in, in Portland on an insane Luka Doncic shot. Um, they basically stole a game in Dallas with a 24-3 run in the fourth quarter just to rip a game away from the Blazers. Uh, they lost tonight as long as we're looking around the league. But the, the Mavericks lost tonight in overtime to the Pelicans. I think Alfred Payton had his fifth consecutive triple-double and a bunch of weird second-rounders he dragged along with him to a victory over the Mavericks. Uh, the Mavs still have some talent, and like I said, they've given the Blazers some, some real trouble. Doncic has... Um, he's, he's They just don't have a great person to guard him, even at, at 20 years old. Uh you know, I, I don't think Mo Harkless has been super successful on him. I bet Al Farouk Aminu will get some time on him. I imagine Rodney Hood will get a little bit of time on him. Um, that's going to be a big deal. It very, very well could be, and I think this is what Wednesday night is more important for me than the win. I think I, the Blazers should win, and I think they will. They're better than the Mavericks. The Mavericks have no incentive to win games. They have real incentive to lose them. I don't think they can lose enough to keep that protected pick they owe the Hawks, but there's just no reason they need to win at this stage in the season. But what Wednesday is important for is it could be Dirk Nowitzki's last game in the Moda Center Rose Garden in Portland as, as a visitor. He's obviously uh, non-committal about what his, his future is going to look like, but if you are in the uh, Portland area, and you are, you know, roughly my age and mostly only remember the NBA with Dirk in it, I recommend trying to come. I bet he'll play a little bit. Uh, he's He ain't exactly having that sort of Vince Carter, how does he still keep doing it, end of his career. Kind of looks like a dude with a lot of miles on the body. But he's an all-time great. Uh, he's had some some real battles with the Blazers in his 21 NBA seasons couple playoff victories over this, these Blazers. Uh, 
some memorable moments. Obviously, the Brandon Roy Game 4 game that uh, the year the Mavericks won the NBA title. You know, it's um, I, I would recommend seeing seeing Dirk. Obviously, he has a connection with uh, Terry Stotts, who was a coach on that championship team. So that'll be a special one. Uh, I, I can't imagine the Blazers do any kind of like tribute for him. That's not what they'll do. And since he's not doing sort of Dwayne Wade, one last dance, hashtag one last dance, I'm going to trade jerseys with everyone. He's like um, more in that Duncan mode where he's like, yeah, I'm old and I might not keep doing this. But I'm not, I don't want like the, I don't want the farewell. I'll just decide I'm done when I'm done. But I think it's very likely that he does not play another season. So if you are considering it, come see Dirk. That's probably the most redeeming thing I can say about the Mavericks. Luka Doncic, if you haven't seen him, is, is, is I mean, he's going to be good for a long time. He's worth watching. Uh, I think that all the Blazers after the last game he played in Portland were like, he's good and not just good for a 20-year-old or a rookie. He's like NBA good. They had a lot of respect for him. So I think that's special. Um, so yeah, Wednesday should be a fun one. That one's in Portland, so I will be there again to give you some post-game reaction. Maybe a little uh, take you to what people's thoughts were inside the locker room. But until then, I'm going to enjoy a Tuesday. Hope you guys do too. I appreciate you all for listening. If you are trying to tell a friend about this podcast, just tell them to search wherever they already get podcasts. And search Locked on Blazers. We're everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Find us. Give us a five-star review. Tell your friends about it. Come back again soon. I'll talk to you guys then. Thanks for listening.